The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mrs. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. This is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pile. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Oh, when he's making a list, and he's checking it twice. Find out who's naughty and nice Santa Claus is coming to town Oh, he sees you when you're sleeping And he knows when you're away And he knows if you've been bad or good So be good for goodness sake Oh, you better watch out Don't you know? 
TomSumnerProgram.com The Tom Sumner Program.com We wish you a Merry Christmas from the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. I, uh, guest this hour has uh, a new book called The Followers, where she takes readers on an eye-opening journey that weaves her unsettling personal experiences with broader explorations into the dangers of groupthink. Uh, the book, The Followers, is based on her experiences um, living in a, uh, being part of a cult. And um, she works... Uh, in, let's see if I have this right, she is a certified clinical nutritionist and uh, biochemical analyst and educator for over 30 years, um, and her name is Radia Gleese. She joins me by phone. Radia, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for inviting me. Happy to be here. So I'm I'm just guessing from what I've been able to explore a little bit, there is life after cult. Okay. I'm sorry? There is life after cults? Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, didn't think there would be, but, um, yeah. Um, you know, the, the full title of the book is The Followers, Holy Hell, and the Disciple of Narcissistic Leaders, How My Years in a Notorious Cult Parallel Today's Cultural Mania. And the reference to Holy Hell is the uh, 2016 documentary about this same group. Exactly. And and I was in that film. And so um, basically, as as I said, you know, um, the filmmaker, Will Allen, um, he had... 45 hours of footage of a 30-year journey for most of us. So it's very difficult to put that much information in a 100-minute documentary. Um, So my book basically says everything that the documentary couldn't say, um, a lot about about a lot of issues. Um, Right now we're really kind of dealing with all kinds of um, complex subjects dealing with groupthink and mind control and propaganda and all of that. So I sort of spent uh, two and a half years doing the research and uh, really going in depth on the issue of why we do the things we do. Why do we make the decisions we make? I've heard a lot of podcasts um, about Holy Hell, which I'll tell you, Tom, is very, very strange to uh, listen to perfect strangers talking about you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a really weird experience. But I really heard a lot of um, uh, misperceptions, but I don't blame them. You know, they've got 100 minutes to try and figure out what they think they see. 
And it's a lot more complicated than that. And I, I've also been in Q&As for that film, not only in Sundance, which it was, uh, it was one of the top picks at Sundance Film Festival, as well it was uh, one of the top documentaries on Netflix, and it's now available on Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime. But uh, I was in the Q&As in many cities, not only uh, at the Park City you know, Sundance Festival, but also in Los Angeles, Hawaii, and Austin. And I get a lot of various different uh, attitudes towards um, what they think they saw, you know. And some people said, hey, you know, I get it. I joined that group, you know, in the beginning. It looked like we were a whole bunch of happy, healthy, young um, people that were living sort of communally. And then I get people who say, I'd never be that stupid. How could anyone fall for that? And, um, and I can understand that, too, based on the footage, um, because it, you know, people don't wake up one day and say, you know, I'm going to join a cult. <laughs> it just doesn't happen that way. Um, and with this particular thing, it was a, the old story of the frog in warm water, um, what it started out to be and what it ended up being are two different things. Well, I like that your book explores groupthink beyond just your experience with, uh, um, is it is it pronounced Buddha field? The Buddha field, yeah. Um, it, because, you know, we, we live at a time when people are questioning the results of the last election. Half the people in the country voted for one candidate, half voted for the other, um, the, the people who uh, back and support Donald Trump. Uh, can't understand, you know, for, for people who don't support Donald Trump, they can't understand how people do support Donald Trump. And then the people that support Donald Trump can't understand how people don't. And, and it, it's, it's really quite relevant. And you said something a moment ago that I wanted to go back and, and pick up from. You said, we don't get up in the morning saying, I think I'll join a cult today. Mm-hmm. And yet people do get up in the morning and say, I wish I felt more like I belong. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and, and when they go out with that mindset, are they prime targets well yes and no it's that's a really that's a really interesting question and let me let me uh sort of dive into that a little further i mean typically right now um we've been we've become so polarized and we as a nation and we just basically want to look at the other side and say they're brainwashed okay we, and, and I define that, and that's a very, very important definition. We use that word as sort of a shorthand, um, but we have to be careful with that word because the, the literal definition of brainwash means you were radicalized into a thinking, literally a 180 from what you originally believed, and it's usually by either imprisonment or torture. Okay, that is the literal definition of brainwash. So we have to be careful using words like that when we're looking at the other team, because we have to understand um, that, no, these people were not under that circumstance. These people already had those fundamental beliefs. 
So when a narcissist comes along, they tap in to your preconceived notions and capitalize on it. And so a, a lot of those fundamental beliefs, yes, there, was a, there is an indoctrination of all of us. I mean, when people say to me, oh, how could anyone be that stupid? Well, I've got a graduate degree. I'm not stupid or uneducated <laughs> or unsophisticated, right? Right. So I was already looking for what the Buddha field was offering in the beginning. I was already there, and so was everybody else. We just collectively came together because, like you said, we were looking for like-minded people. And this is the area where a narcissistic sociopath can really take advantage and, you know, because, I mean, you mentioned Donald Trump. Well, Donald Trump doesn't have a policy. He doesn't have a belief. He doesn't have an ideology. He is a pathological narcissist. And that is a critical, you know, what I said in my uh, introduction. This is not about politics. Um, this is about groupthink and manipulation. And, of course, you know, the, the followers... Um, when you have propaganda and when you have when you take the message and you blow it up a narcissist can capitalize on that i mean donald trump was a democrat most of his life um most people don't appreciate the pathology of a narcissist and how profoundly dangerous they can be so basically he saw a group of people that he could um latch on to and feed himself and usually it is a feedback loop and this is what we did with Jaime um, the group leader uh, Jaime had narcissistic tendencies but when you start putting them in a position of power and you start giving your power away to them that just feeds them and they can be very clever very very clever in manipulating you and most narcissists, they're chameleons. They'll be whatever you want them to be. Um, they don't care about you. They couldn't care less about you. And they couldn't care less whether they hurt you or whether they abuse you. All they are doing is trying to feed their narcissism. And that develops into sociopathy and then eventually can develop into psychopathy, psychopathy such as Charles Manson or Jim Jones or Adolf Hitler. Um, so these are the these are the things that I really go into in this book um, about first of all like how does a person get there and you you know brought up the the feeling that is a natural uh, characteristic of human beings we want to belong we're very hurt bound <laughs> you know we're not uh, we're not we're not cheetahs we don't have tooth and claw to survive out there by ourselves. We're herd bound and we rely on each other. That's sort of instinctive in our DNA. And so we look to belong. More about cults with the author of The Followers, Radia Glees, straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. 
All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. Take it away. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More about cults with the author of The Followers, Radia Gleese, straight ahead. When we're children, we're raised with a certain kind of um, ideals or certain kinds of indoctrination or in dogma, in dogma. 
And so we, we either rebel against that, like I did as a, as a kid, or we look to continue on that path. You know, so there's lots of variables. It's a very, very complex issue with the idea of groupthink. And, um, you know, it's also complex as far as the era that you grew up in. You know, I grew up, as I talk about in the first section, I grew up in Los Angeles in the 50s and 60s. Um, so there were radical changes that were going on. 40 years ago, there were radical changes that are happening now, as I say at the end, you know, history repeats itself, usually in a 40 to 80 year cycle. So the things that were going on in the 60s, uh, you had, you know, civil rights, gay rights, women's rights, all of these things were, all of these original sort of leave it to beaver notions were being totally <laughs> uprooted in our culture. So my generation uh, was looking to find like-mindedness and looking to move away from our parents' sort of um, leave-it-to-beaver kind of dogmatic um, kind of culture where it was a white male dominant society and uh, women and minorities and gays and whatever were second-class citizens. And so that's where the fight began, and I think that's where the schism in the United States began, is back in that era. Um, so those who didn't want to lose their position uh, held on to it more tightly, and those who wanted to rebel against that uh, moved in a different direction. So, you know, in Los Angeles in the 60s and 70s, culture were on every block. You know, you had your Moonies and your Scientologists and your Hare Krishnas and you know, everywhere you looked, um, young people were trying to find their way in a society that they were rebelling against. And so, you know, this is kind of what happened to us. Now, with a narcissist, they can find groups of people and latch on to what they think they want and capitalize on it. You know, and so this is where we have to be careful being used by leaders like this, because you'll be used and then eventually you'll come to find out that you've been abused and you don't even know it, <laughs> you know, well, <laughs> and I didn't know about the sexual abuse for literally, I did not know of the details of the abuse until Holy Hell came out, which was 10 years after I left the cult. And and yet, and, and this is the part I, I find interesting and wonder if you'd comment on uh, you know it seems fairly easy to end up finding yourself associated with a group like this but you were there for 25 years what what made you want to leave what made me want to leave was the transition and and it was a slow change and i think will allen in the movie holy hell um he does a really really good job with what he's got because he's got he's got 30 years of footage and he's got how do i tell a story and develop a story arc in a hundred minutes documentary and so you can see in the film the metamorphosis of this man i mean to the point where he really at the end just starts to look like a monster and he does. I mean, he really physically and otherwise metamorphosizes. 
So I, and I talk about my role in the Buddha field, which was very different than the guys in the film, because he was, uh, the leader was homosexual. So he wasn't, uh, he wasn't a predator to women. So we were not part of that kind of sexual abuse like the men were. We weren't even, we weren't even privy to it. We didn't know that that was going on. We just started to see that as his narcissism grew, originally it was all about the techniques of the knowledge, which was, um, this was a technique that was handed down. He actually stole it. He plagiarized it from a guru by the name of Maharaji. He stole it and capitalized on it. He was never a disciple of Maharaji's, um, and he kind of conned a premi, one of Maharaji's followers, to give him the techniques. And then he took these techniques, and, and we all were interested in those days of more Eastern meditation and philosophies like that. And so in the beginning, it was all about the techniques. It was all about the knowing. It wasn't about him, and he never said that it was. He was there to uh, to show us what they were, and then we were. It was up to us to practice to guide you on your journey. Yeah, exactly. To be devoted. So it started out in the first few years. He he used to say, "Connect to God's love," and then after a while, he started to say, "Connect to my love." And this is where his narcissism started to grow and develop. And I. I and some of us, some of the elders that were initiates, started questioning him about that. And the thing about a narcissist is they're very clever, as I go into in-depth as far as their ability to sort of manipulate the conversation and to get you to uh, convince you that what they're doing is acceptable. So I would ask him, you know, like, hey, what happened to connected God's love, and he would say things to me like, well, Radia, some people, not you, because he knew he couldn't play me, um, need a living example, you know, and so he justified what he was doing to give, to give people a living example that they can touch and talk to and feel and, you know, and, and be listened to and what have you, and I go into cognitive dissonance of how, <laughs> how myself and everybody else um, will start to change or adapt the narrative to work in your mind. Because I liked what was happening, what I was getting out of the community. And so his explanations seemed plausible at the time, right? And who am I to question? Because everybody else seemed to be happy. Nobody was complaining. There was no, you know, no testimony of I'm being sexually assaulted or whatever. That did not come out for 10 years after we left, you know? So, so you, you convince yourself, okay, well, that seems plausible. And so um, I at about 1992, I, I was in there for about 10 years at that point, I started to get tired of him. Um, he started just getting weirder and weirder. When we moved from Los Angeles um, to, uh, well, we eventually landed in Austin, but we had moved to several states looking for a new home. And the reason why is because 
in Los Angeles, we had somebody who was a stalker. He was stalking one of the women uh, in the Buddha field, and he was leaving some very dangerous and threatening letters saying he was going to kill the leader and he was going to turn us into Cult Awareness Network and blah, blah, blah. And he was blaming the group on why she wasn't interested in him. So um, we put him in jail. Um, but the thing was, we could only hold him for about three months. So the DA said, you know, you better leave, because when he gets out, he's going to be really pissed. Um, so we left, and this is when we, the elders, who were sort of the immediate entourage who was with the leader, started noticing him coming unglued. Uh, his, paranoid, his paranoia became more and more obsessive. And so the elders just started to really question who he was. Um, but here was the thing. Um, we loved him. I loved him. Uh, he became to me sort of like an eccentric uncle. Uh, so did I leave? In, I, well, when we finally landed in Austin, we were here in about 1991. And by about 1995, I was like, okay, I'm really tired of him. I'm tired of his obsession. I'm not really getting anything spiritually from him. But I didn't leave the Buddha field until 2006. So 11 years I stayed. Um, why? Not because of him, but because this was my family. This was, you know, my, my mother and father were dead. Uh, my brother had disowned me. There was no one to land, you know, if I left. So this community was my family, and I loved them. And, Radia, um, did you leave on your own, or were there others who left at the same time? Well, see, that was the thing, um, and I talk about in the chapter Exodus, um, that was the thing. When I finally was fed up, um, there was an incident that occurred that this, this uh, notion that he was uh, coercing heterosexual men in his therapy sessions had come out. And I was looking for a reason. I was looking for a reason, and I had seen people who had left before on their own. Um, they were ostracized and demonized both by the group and by the leader, very similar to what Trump does. Uh, he will malign your reputation. He will destroy you. And so, so did Jaime. All narcissists will. And I just finished writing an article on how to recognize a narcissist. But anyway, so I had seen examples, and this is another reason why I wasn't real ready to jump out there, because I knew. I knew that would be the end. I knew that I would lose everything that I had. And, um, but you were free to go. Uh, that's a relative term, free to go. Well, it's um, just that some people have uh, uh, an impression of um, narcissists like Jaime eventually growing more and more militarized where the the family actually become prisoners. That's true, and, and different cults are different. Yeah, you could say technically I was free to go, However, um, I, and I'm talking about physically. I understand the the draw to not lose yeah, the psychological. Yeah, that's um, that's a whole different uh, 
component. Yeah, yeah. It's it depends on who you were in the world. Um, I know that when I left, um, Jaime had talked to three members about um, quote unquote taking me out, either destroying me or having me taken out. Um, and you so mean that's a killed? Term. It, it depends on who you are and what your position is in the Buddha field. If you're just kind of low on the totem pole and, you know, uh, you, you're not on the inner circle, then, yeah, it's a lot easier for you to leave. But if you know a lot, which I did, uh, I was much more dangerous in his mind to him, turns out. I mean, I didn't even know until years later that he had plotted to have me taken out. Um, but, yeah, so it's a relative term, and it's very complex. It depends on the situation. It depends on who you are. Um, I talk about myself as sort of – I was sort of his Michael Cohen because my father was a lawyer. And <laughs> the fixer. Say what? The fixer. Yeah, I was um, – I did a lot of his legal stuff. And I also did, you know, his medical stuff. So I, I was privy to things that a lot of people weren't. And that's why I say, you know, it really depends on who you are in the group and if he considers you dangerous. Um, when you say, can you leave alone, I, I would say that we di I did not leave alone uh, because of that circumstance with that young man that was an excuse. That was my line in the sand that I took. And when I took it, not just me, but several elders, several. Uh, as a matter of fact, the entire Buddha field in Austin broke up within a few weeks. Um, I made the decision to leave, and then one after the other, like dominoes, all of the elders started, you know, started to see the writing on the wall and started to see that there was abuse happening. We all kind of got fed up all at once. And so that makes it easier to leave, for sure, when everybody else is. Right. Um, but there was a blitzkrieg in Austin uh, in 2006, and he was run out of Austin within a matter of weeks. Um, so, and I, and I look at that in comparison to the Senate right now. You know, when there's just one or two, they can be maligned by everyone else and maligned by whatever. It doesn't have anything to do with information. In other words, in the film you'll see, and also in my book, uh, there was an email that was sent out, and it was details about, you know, what kind of shenanigans Jaime was up to. Well, that doesn't really matter if all of the elders went to everybody else and said, that's fake news. Don't believe it. Right. It's not true. If we had said that, I guarantee you the Buddha field would have still been alive and thriving in Austin today. But because there was a mass exit of all of the leaders, all of the elders, then that woke a lot of people up. And um, did, did the Buddha field actually collapse after that? It collapsed. It, well... It collapsed in Austin. Now, he moved. He fled to Hawaii and started it up, and it's still going in Hawaii today. Uh, so he's got new 
recruits. Some of the old people went with him, and he started it up in, in Hawaii. And he's in, he's in Hawaii today, and I don't know how many followers he has, probably 75 to 100. Um, and what he does, uh, the film is out, now this book is out, he will manipulate this group not to see the film. Uh, just like Trump, he'll say it's fake news. And he'll say, don't listen to what Will, the filmmaker, says. He was just a disgruntled lover, and he, you know, he made up all of these lies about him, blah, blah, blah. He would say that about when, when you ever question him. So he'll say the same, same thing about me in this book, and you know, he'll, he'll subterfuge and lie and say it's all a bunch of lies. They're all jealous or they missed in this life or they whatever. You know, he'll make up his excuses, and those diehard disciples will listen to his quote-unquote guidance, and they won't go see the truth. They won't, you know, they won't expand their uh, knowledge or even seek out, well, is this true if it is it or isn't it? They won't. He'll manipulate them. That's just what he does. Radia, you said that the reason you stayed so long was you felt like you didn't have a place to go or a little pl- uh, uh, you didn't have yeah. a place to land. Yeah. When you did finally leave, where did you land? Oh, <laughs> I didn't for a long time. <laughs> Um, I, when I left, really my life was, was, I lost everything. Um, it's a compli- I, I do talk about that a little bit in the book, but, um, you know, I had a clinic here in Austin. Um, I lost, I lost 150 friends in one day. Um, I lost my relationships. There were some people that, uh, still were talking to me, but most people demonized me. Um, ostracized me, I mean, really publicly and otherwise. So I was really traumatized for about, well, I was alone for about three years. Um, Radia, were you operating a business while a member of the I cult? Was. Yes, and were I was. others doing that as well? Yes. As I say in the um, in my book, I really really talk about life in the Buddha field. Um, and when you look at the film, you can't really understand what life in the Buddha field was like. And it was different than other cloistered organ- organizations. Um, most of us had jobs. About ninety five percent of us. We did not live in a commune. Um, we lived in houses around Austin. Um, but every day or every evening, there was something. So we would work all day and then go join up with each other for whatever the function was for that day. So that was pretty much seven days a week. So we were in the world, but we weren't. And we lived sort of a dual life. Um, so many people did not know until much after the whole thing broke up, that I was in this group. Um, I had a practice. Many people were either, uh, some of them were practitioners like me. There were chiropractors and body workers and massage therapists and chefs and, you know, uh, accountants and what have you. So we all lived sort of a dual life. And we also had this uh, idea, which I talk about a lot in the book, of this notion of exceptionalism. Um, 
we figured because we were we had these techniques and our third eye quote unquote was opened um and we were experiencing experiences transcendental experiences of god if you were we saw ourselves as being exceptional so we looked at the outside as um and he would say he would call it the world of the dead the unconscious we were the conscious we referred to ourselves as holy company so again remember tom you know if you if you look at yourself as holy and everything on the outside is the dead do you really want to go out there no so it was a mental prison more than a physical structure of a prison um and this is the notion of exceptionalism uh people who are evangelicals uh, people who are in certain religions consider themselves the chosen uh others you know in the muslim faith consider anyone else infidels you know and and so it goes on like that and when you are in a religious cult it's m- even more complex because you're dealing with belief as opposed to reality and so beliefs are abstract so you can pretty much do whatever you want with them you know and that's dangerous that is really really dangerous and um so we were in a prison of sort but it didn't have walls more about cults with the author of the followers radia gleese The Tom Sumner Program dot com. The Tom Sumner Program dot com. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. From God our Heavenly Father, a blessed angel came. And unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here, and every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. 
Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about cults with the author of The Followers, Radia Gleese, straight ahead. 
Were you following the the um, teachings of uh, Buddha? It was very eclectic. The teachings, most of the most of it was uh, Eastern, so it was Hindu, Buddhism, Sufism, um, and Christian mysticism. So it was mostly Eastern oriented, and it was much more in depth. Um, but you didn't techniques. think of yourselves as Buddhists. No, exactly, and that's why my name, which I talk about, is how I got my name. My original birth uh, name was Linda, and uh, he changed my name as he changed a lot of people's names. Um, he changed it originally to Radha, R A D H A. Radha was the um, the lover of Krishna, the Hindu god, and um, he tweaked it a bit to Radia so that people would not automatically assume that I was Hindu, which I was not. But although we practiced, like, for example, we studied the Upanishads, we studied the Bhagavad Gita, we studied and read Rumi, and we studied um, uh, the Tao, and we studied, you know, a, a very Eastern-oriented, eclectic um, books. But we studied that in the beginning, Tom, but as we started, as he started to develop his narcissism, then he didn't want us to read those books anymore. Um, he started to adapt and literally plagiarize out of those books and then make a script, memorize it, and that's what he would share. So he sounded like this enlightened being, and really he was just plagiarizing all of the other you know, uh, saints of those different, you know, uh, religions. So the techniques of the knowledge are not anything new. They were pa- they've been passed down for literally thousands of years in Hindu meditation techniques. Um, so he was plagiarizing everything. He was adapting his own little world, but it wasn't his at all. He was a total fraud a fraud from day one, but we didn't know this. <laughs> right, and the right. problem was is that the elders that were way up in his immediate entourage, they did know, but they didn't divulge that information. So it was not only, it was not only lies from him and, and manipulation, but it was a group deception. And I, I talk about it in the book. You know, when you go to Disneyland you automatically will forego your disbelief for the fantasy. You know it's fake. Sure. But for the ride, you know, you'll, you'll automatically forego your disbelief. But what if you don't know it's fake? What if you, you believe your friends and your family members and, your, and the person that you trust the most, right? So he was doing all kinds of parlor tricks. He was using flashlights, you know, to to give you the feeling that you're experiencing the light, and he would use, uh, he would, you know, in his cleansing, I mean, he made his living as a hypnotherapist, so, goodness, he had our psyche in his talons every week. He knew all of our weaknesses, he knew all of our, um, our fears, all of the skeletons in our closet, and he would use them against us, you know, and he would also, you know, the, the upper echelon that, that knew some of this, they never told anybody. They kept it a secret. 
does so does it, the it book collective. does the book the followers um and and some of the observations you make and and some of the things that you share um provide a um uh, uh, the reader an opportunity to learn maybe how to protect themselves if if they may be vulnerable to recruitment and, and manipulation? Yeah, I I go into a lot. Like, it's in three sections. So the first section is basically uh, about my life before the Buddha field. So I'm giving you some examples of perhaps things that you might relate to of why a person finds themselves uh, looking for a group or what have you. And then I the second section, which is called the Buddha field, is actual life, what really went on. Um, and, and with that, it, it automatically gives you things to look for. I go through the, um, uh, the diagnostic manual, um, and other uh, books that are mostly textbooks and things like that, and give you, it's not textbook, but I'll give you, say, a sentence out of that textbook, and then and I'll give you examples. Okay, so here's a characteristic of a narcissistic sociopath, and here is where it aligns with my experience and aligns with the larger collective what's going on in this country. Um, and then the third section is called um, Reflections, and that is much more looking at really what's going on in this country as well as at the end I talk about how do you recover from this, right. um, and how did I recover from this. And so I do give you sort of what I see, you know, I am now 12 years out of the Buddha field, and I have spent 12 years in reflection. Like, whoa, <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> yeah, I would think, you know, I feel a little bit like the uh, documentary filmmaker of, of Holy Hell trying to squeeze 30 years into uh, a half an hour. We're, we're pretty much out of time, but... Um, Raja, I always want to give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about and about your work, past, present, and future. Um, yeah. Obviously, the book is a great place to start. Um, yeah. Well, I also I have, a, the... I have a website, which is Radia Gleese, R-A-D-H-I-A. Put that H in the right place. Everyone wants to, let, everyone wants to throw that around. Um, R-A-D-H-I-A, Gleese, G-L-E-I-S, um, dot com. Uh, you can find out more about how you can get the book. It's also on Audibles. And I've got some blogs and some articles that are posted on there, and I'm, I'm posting more articles. I just wrote an article yesterday that hopefully will be published soon, um, and that'll be posted on there. So, um, you know, it's a big topic. It's a huge topic. I got to the point where my editor said, land the plane, Alice. And I said, but what about this? I've got to talk about this. She goes, get it out there. So she said, you can always, you know, add more, write more articles, etc., to extend it out. But, you know, get it out there before, <laughs> before you get too old. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot to cover. 
I, I wrote the book so that it's healthily humorous and uh, poignant and not too dry. I don't want it to be too dry because uh, it's got a lot of bibliography and whatever, but most people aren't going to read those books. So I kind of digested those books and put them in a, in a story and hopefully an entertaining way of learning information because that's the way I teach. Um, and, yeah, I will be writing more in the future on these topics. Excellent. But uh, it's a full book, man. It, it, it gives you a, a really good journey. Well, and you, again, can get it, uh, you can get it on Amazon, and you can get it at Barnes & Noble and I, uh, on Audible. Again, the book is called The Followers, Holy Hell and the Disciples of Narcissistic Leaders, How My Years in a Notorious Cult Parallel Today's Cultural Mania by my guest, Radia Gleese. Radia, thanks so much for spending this time yeah, with me. I this really morning. appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. And with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight <laughs> Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 